Uh, brethren, if you see somebody you don't know, hug them and love on them like we uh, have been known to do. I like to hug uh, a lot. So if you see me, I'll give you a big old hug. <clears throat> if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 25 through 35. You know, it's such a privilege to get to stand before you and speak to you about the Lord Almighty, the creator of all things, the great and mighty God, the God who loves us and made a way for us to be a part of his family, a God who saved us from death and made a way for us to have everlasting life. How did he do that? Through one man, the Messiah, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, the word that was in the beginning with God, who was God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm talking about that name above all names, Jesus and in him, Ephesians 1, 7, Mike said at the table, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Thank you, Father in heaven, for the riches of your grace. Amen. Thank you for that. How awesome it is that we can be saved from sin and be able to be reconciled to the Lord. That's why we're here. Amen? That's why we sing. Amen? That's why we give. That's why we took the Lord's Supper. And that's why we learn from His Word. Because we worship a God who bestows upon us blessings that are immeasurable. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. I'm glad to be a child of God. You, I am glad to be considered in the family of the creator of everything. But what we have to realize this morning is that as children of God, or if you're thinking of becoming a child of God, we have to be a different kind of people. We have to live a different way. You know, it's great to know about Jesus. It's great to talk about Jesus. It's great to understand, you know, that our sins are forgiven because of Jesus. And to know that He's the fulfillment of the law. And to know all these things about the Bible. But Danny talked about it last night in his Devo at the youth camp out. He said, there's a difference in believing in Jesus... And believing Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about. Believing in Jesus means you know who He is. You know what He has done. But believing Jesus means you do what He says. Amen? You do what He asks you to do. You know, James 1.22, Jesus wants disciples. And in James 1.22, He says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Be 
doers of the word and not just hearers only. Let me read this in Luke 14, 25. I'm going to read it real quick and then we're going to talk about it. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after, after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever uh, of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus says that you can know today that you are a disciple of mine. And you can do it by answering three questions. You know, if the church is going to continue to grow, as Brother Light talked about in the gospel meeting, I love what he said. He said, we have to have disciples that want to follow the Lord. Not disciples who are forced to follow the Lord. If you're forced to do something, you don't really want to do it, right? If you want to do it, you do it because you want to. We have to show others, people around us, our family, our co-workers, the people that we come in contact with, we have to show them who we are and what we're about. And so this morning, I want us to think about that. But before we think about these three questions, there's something that we have to consider. Jesus tells us that we have to count the cost to be a disciple. If you want to be God's child, if you want to be a follower of Him and His kingdom, you need to first count the cost. And he gives two examples of that. Look at verse 28 and 29 one more time. He says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. If you're going to build a tower, it was probably for a vineyard, I don't know, a vineyard with some walls and it had a gate and this tower was up top and they'd build this tower so they could see the people coming in and coming out to protect it. You know, uh, uh, would you just go ahead and get the supplies you need and build half of it and then just let it be? No. You would first sit down and think about what you need. You would think about the things that you need to build this tower. 
You would count the cost on how much it was. You would make the preparation to be successful, right? That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. This is where it begins, brethren. This is where you become a successful disciple. Right here. When you count the cost, when you sit down and you think about it in your mind, can I do this? Is this something that I can do? Look at the next example in verse 31 and 32. He says, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Here's a man with 10,000 men, and he's going against one with 20. Does he not, should he not, would you not sit and think about, can I do this? Is this going to be something that's going to be successful? Or is my kingdom fixing to get taken over? Am I going to get beat? And if I can, in my mind, come to the conclusion that I'm probably going to get beat, I need to go send out way before he comes and figure out some peaceful talks. We need to work this out. Because I don't want to lose my kingdom. I don't want to lose what I have. I've sat down, I've thought about it, and I've counted the cost, and this may not be the best option for me right now to go to war against you. If we're going to be one of Jesus' disciples, we need to do exactly that. We need to prepare so we don't get beat. Amen? Prepare yourself so you don't get beat. How, what happens as a Christian? We walk this walk and we run into trouble and we throw in the towel. Man, I can't do it. I knew being a Christian wasn't worth it. Here I am faced with this tough situation already. I can't do this. I, this, is gonna how, this is how it's going to be every time? I want to talk about why we do it too. So let's answer these three questions. Why is it worth it? But let's see. The first thing to consider this morning, do you love your family or yourself more than Jesus? Do you love your family or yourself more than Jesus? Because if you do, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. This great multitude comes to him. This great multitude gathers around him and he tells them, if you don't hate your father, if you don't hate your mother, if you don't hate your wife and your children, your brothers and sisters, even your own life, you can't be my disciple. Boy, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? That sounds mean. I thought we were supposed to love everybody. I thought Jesus was a teacher of love and compassion. And here he is saying, hate? I have to hate my wife? I have to hate my kids? Think about this. Peter, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, who, uh, they say that, who do people say that I am? And they give him a list. And then they say, he says, well, who do you think that I am? And Peter steps up and he says, I believe that you're the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, based on that, I'm going to build my church on that confession, and the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against it. Well, you move on down in Matthew 16, 21. He tells them that uh, he's going to have these scribes and these elders are going to persecute him and he's going to end up being killed and he's going to be buried and then he's going to be rose again. He's going to rise again on the third day. And what does Peter do in verse 22 is he pulls Jesus to the side. He says, Jesus, come here for a minute. Man. I need to talk to you. And it says he rebukes him. He says, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. This is, are you kidding me? I'm your, I'm your boy. I'm your closest buddy. This is, would never happen to you. And what does Jesus say in verse 23? But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Think about this. Your husband doesn't want to come to worship, so you don't go. One week becomes two, then three, then guess what? You ain't coming no more. Your children, uh, they cry and they fuss because they don't want to get up early for Bible class, so you don't go. One week becomes two, two becomes three. Then you ain't coming no more. You used to spend time reading and praying in the mornings. But you found some really good shows on TV and they don't come on till 10 or 11. And guess what? I'm talking about me. If you don't count the cost, you don't ever realize what you got. You stay up late watching them shows, and what ends up happening? In the morning, you hit snooze two or three more times, and you start missing them opportunities to pray and read your Bible. One week becomes two Two becomes three. You ain't doing it no more. I need to get back in the habit of it. If you look at just what he says. Hate. If anybody turns you away from Jesus and what he wants you to do, you should hate that. Not the person. You should hate that somebody has steered you away from Jesus. One day the world's going to end. And those who aren't saved, guess what? Aren't going to make it. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father, guess what? Except through me. Through me. If Jesus is not the number one on the list all the time, then what you're really considering in your mind is that He's not the only way to heaven. That there's other ways. 
And we also missed out, miss out on what He has planned for us. He says, I came to give you a full and abundant life. Oh, I've heard this plenty of times, Matt. Well, listen to this, brethren. 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells me that I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. You have no idea what the Lord has prepared for you, for His children. We have no idea. Do you think for one minute, though, that by putting Jesus first, you are by any means neglecting your family? Your wife, your husband, your kids, your brothers or your sisters? What happens when we put Jesus first in our lives is we begin to live according to the Lord's will. And we begin to imitate Christ. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. When I start living like Christ, when I start putting Christ first, I start living like Him and imitating God's will. Think about this real quick and I'm going to move on. Are you being a hindrance to your family and how they follow Jesus? Or is your family being a hindrance to you and causing you to care more about them and their needs than the needs of Jesus. Now that's a real thought. Who is number one? That's the cost of a disciple. That's the cost of spiritually growing to places that you've never been before. Why can I not grow spiritually? Have you counted the cost? Who's number one? Why was Peter an offense to Jesus? He loved Jesus. He wanted to protect Him. But he was keeping Jesus possibly from doing God's will. Brethren, don't be that kind of person. Don't follow somebody who wants to be a hindrance to you to follow Christ. Number two, are you willing to bear your cross and go after Jesus? If not, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, it says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Bearing your cross is something that has to be considered very close. But what does that mean? Think about what Jesus did. What cross, what was the cross to Jesus? Shame, embarrassment, hurt, frustration, pain. But he knew what the Lord wanted him to do. And he did it anyway. No matter what he went through, he was going to fulfill his mission, not for himself, for you and for me and for everyone out there. 
He also understood that he was going to be raised up to walk in newness of life so we could all be raised up in a new life. In Luke 9, he says in verses 23 and 25, he says, take up his cross daily and follow me. He says, Forever, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What profit is it to get all this stuff, to have this fancy stuff, and then in the end lose your life? When we bear our cross, what we are doing is walking every day with the understanding, no matter what I do, no matter where I am, I will be in subjection to the Lord and what His will is. Not mine anymore. It's not about me anymore. Jesus sacrificed His life. Amen? And was exalted. Romans 12.1 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to do what? By the mercies of God. To present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Hey, you know what? It may not be that important to you. It may not be that big of a deal. And you know, you may just continue life walking like you walk and doing what you do and thinking that that's good enough. But guess what, brethren? One day, you're going to die. One day, you're not going to be here. And if you have lived your life with that attitude, how's it going to be? We're going to get persecuted. We will get hurt. We will get made fun of. And sometimes you may think, what's the point? Here's the point. The Lord loves you so much He died for you that we might be able to go to heaven. Jesus suffered and did things He didn't want to do because He loved us so much. In turn, we have to realize as we bear our cross Tough situations, persecutions, tribulations, uh, uh, struggles in our life, depression, whatever it may be. That as we face these and we walk through these situations, people see it. People see the way you handle it. They see the way that you put your trust in the Lord. They see the example that you set forward. People saw Jesus Christ and it changed their life forever. Peter, John, Matthew, Mark. Could you imagine walking with Jesus Christ? Could you imagine being Peter and Him telling you that you're going to deny Him? And then it comes about. And then when you deny Him, you look over and He comes eye to eye with you. This is real. And what's the point? Eternal life with Jesus, with the Lord forever. Paul got it. Romans 8.38 For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels 
nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us, guess what, brethren, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we bear our cross, we're being like Jesus, and we change the way people not only look at us, but the most important, they look at our faith, and they see who it is in. Who in the world are you following? I'm following Jesus Christ. Hey man, and I got something else to tell you. You can follow him and be just like me. And then you can tell somebody else and they can be just like you. Paul says, for to me, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Think about that. No matter what I go through, no matter what struggle I'm faced with, I can make it through because my Lord has given me His word and His promises to stand on. I can stand on the everlasting promises of God and they will never fail. Amen? But not only that, if I die, guess what? I have the hope of heaven. I have the hope of eternal life. The cost of being a disciple is, yes, maybe very hard at the front. But the end is beautiful. It's blessed. It's forever and ever and ever. Don't you want to take as many people with you as you can? Third and final thing. Is your stuff... Your stuff, we all know what stuff means, right? Your belongings, your cars, your clothes, your shoes, your friendships. More important than Jesus? Because if they are, Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple. And Mike brought this out in class. Uh, forsake. The word right there, let's read it in verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That word there is to separate or to withdraw oneself from anyone or anything. To bid farewell or to renounce. What's Jesus trying to make us focus on? Whether it be ourselves, our family, our schools, our sports, our work, friendships, money, cars, all of those things. If anything keeps us from putting Jesus where he needs to be, we cannot be his disciple. He wants us to count the cost. Because if you sign up for this, you're in. But the blessings are out of this world. Amen? All spiritual blessings are in Christ. When you begin to live these three questions out. Now listen to me as I close. In your life, when you live these three questions out, putting uh, Jesus before your family... 
understanding you're going to face these troubles and these trials and these situations, but still exalting Jesus through it all and understanding that nothing in this world is more important than Him. This is what happens. You train your kids up in the way they should go. You love your wife like Christ loved the church. You respect and help your husband in any way you can. You think of others more highly than yourself. You no longer go through the motions, but you begin to love and have compassion and have joy and have mercy and have forgiveness on people. When somebody does you wrong, you forgive them and you work it out. No matter what. Think about your life. What's keeping you from serving the Lord with all your heart? What's keeping you from being that disciple that Jesus wants you to be? Verse 34 says, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> salt is good, but if it doesn't have any flavor, guess what? It ain't worth nothing. It's not even good enough, the Bible says, to be put on the place on the hill where they put the animal waste. Matthew 5.13 says, It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I'm trying to encourage you, brethren. I don't want you to think for one minute that I'm trying to get on you and push my thumb down. That is not what I'm doing. I'm saying that this is possible. But if it doesn't start right here, you never have success. You always fall back. I don't know how to do it. This is how you do it. Jesus number one, everything else two. I've tried it. I'm working through it. I brought up my own illustration where I'm falling short. I'm not perfect in this. I want to be though. I want to be mature. I want to be the greatest disciple ever. And I'm sorry that I say that. But I want to be the best disciple ever. And I hope that that's what you want too. Because you can. In God's eyes you are the most special person ever. I want to leave you with this thought. It's so beautiful. What Jesus says. In John 8, 31 and 32, he says, Then Jesus said to those who believed, who believed in Jesus, this is what he tells them, If you abide in my word, if you hear what my word is, and you do what my word says, guess what? You are my disciples indeed. And guess what? Here it is. And you shall know the truth. And guess what, brethren? The truth shall make you free. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free from the bondage and the worry and the struggle of life? Don't you want to be free from that? You can. By abiding in the word of God. 
putting Him first, counting the cost and knowing that it may be hard, but guess what? It's worth it. You may be here today and you haven't been counting the cost. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling as a Christian to make it through day by day. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you're living in sin. And you need to make it right and change. You can't grow spiritually if you live in sin. You can't do anything uh, for the kingdom if you're living in sin. If you need that, you can come right now and we, and we can pray with you. And, and you can talk to the elders. You can uh, figure out a Bible. Whatever you need. But you may be here today and you may not even be a Christian. Maybe you've heard the gospel over and over again. And you just haven't moved from the seat. What are you waiting on? Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. And it comes through obedience of the gospel. Believing who Jesus was, what he did being willing to repent of your sins and turn from your old ways, being able to confess in front of men that you believe, just like Peter said, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and being baptized in water. Not magical water. Water for the remission of your sins. Pleading to God with a good conscience. Because 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism now saves us. Not the removal of the flesh, but that good conscience between you and God saying, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And we know in Acts twenty two sixteen, 16, Ananias told Paul, he said, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you need to become a child of God, if you need to have your sins forgiven, if you need to obey the gospel or you need to repent, come right now together we stand and sing.